In the great halls of USA Today, we assemble the newsroom's mightiest nerds, Brett Molina. I'm so sorry for the producer of this podcast. <laughs> Kelly Lawler. I will fight you on it. Brian Truitt. Spoiler town! <laughs> Together, they form The Mothership. Their mission? To harness their collective encyclopedic knowledge of nerdiness in all its forms. To dissect every trailer, plot twist, and game released for the geekiest of fans. The Mothership. Saving the universe from bad comic book adaptations every Friday. All aboard the Mothership, the Geek Culture Podcast from the USA Today Network. Thank you so much for joining us, and happy Friday. Woohoo! Let's meet the crew. Brent Molina is elsewhere. I don't know where he is. He is not in the studio. He is AWOL. He took an ejector pod and he abandoned us. Yeah, bastard. Uh, maybe he'll be back next week. Who knows? But I'm Brian Truitt. I watch movies, and my favorite Marvel Comics character is Captain America. I'm Kelly Lawler. I watch television, and my favorite Marvel Comics character is Miss Marvel, probably, at this point. If this is your first time listening to us, welcome. New episodes of The Mothership drop every Friday, and you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you like to listen. And hey, while you're on Apple Podcasts, wouldn't it be swell if you could write a quick review of the show? By doing that, you'll be helping other fans who love nerdy pop culture find us. And as a thank you, we'll give you a very special shout out on our next episode. So try it out. Tell us what you want to see from the show moving forward. It's all upside for you. Do it. Don't forget, along with leaving a review, you can also get in touch with us on Twitter. We're at Mothership Pod, or you can send an email to MothershipPod at USAToday.com. Now on to the main topic, which is Marvel Comics. What? We've never talked about that before. No way. Well, we're not talking about the movie. Well, we are. We will kind of talk about the movies, maybe. But we're talking about more about the comics and the 80th anniversary of Marvel Comics, the company. More specifically, Marvel Comics 1000 is out now, a ginormous issue featuring a wide variety of special guest creators, including Friends of the Pod, Brad Meltzer, and Neil Gaiman, Joe Hill, and even Kareem Abdul-Jabbar writing one-page stories about iconic heroes, events, and moments in Marvel history. One of the other people who did a one-page story is Adam Goldberg, who is the executive producer of the Goldbergs, which is kind of an autobiographical, geek culture-ready 80s show you probably watch on ABC, or it's spin-off, the 90s-tastic Schooled. Um, if I lived in L.A., Adam would be my best friend, I think. Uh, absolutely. Uh, Adam is Brian's soulmate. I'm sorry to Brian's wife. Yes. And Adam's wife, I guess. <laughs> Sorry to all wives. Sorry to all wives. Hey, Adam, thanks for joining us on the pod. Hi. So we're talking about Marvel 1000, and it's it's a really neat concept because, you know, you and all these other kind of, like, cool creators get a page to do, you know, a, a major character, an event, you know, something a big moment in Marvel's 80-year history. First of all, before we get into your kind of one-page story, you're into nerdy, geeky stuff. Obviously, for anybody who's ever watched the Goldbergs, you know, people know that. Have you long been like a Marvel fan? You know, growing up, uh, read a ton of Marvel, read a ton of DC. For me, I've always wanted to write a, something for Marvel. And for the last more or less seven, eight years, I've been just so slammed that I haven't had any time. So the idea of just writing one page and it could be essentially about whatever character I wanted that was just like something I, I had to do. So this was like the perfect way to, you know, get introduced to Tom and everybody over there. And um, I'm in the process of, 
of pitching now and, you know, pitching more to them. So um, it was just a great introduction for me and a, and a great way in. Um, certainly having the show helped that, you know, I've been very vocal on the show, um, on the Goldberg show about how much Adam loves comics, just because it's about my childhood. So comics is going to be a big part of that as his movies and TV and Transformers and toys and all that stuff that I loved as a kid and still love and collect now as an adult, much to my my wife's dismay. <laughs> I wonder if Brian can relate. Yeah, my, my well, Brian's <laughs> wife can relate very well. To this. <laughs> yeah. Just this week, I had to like um, my backpack fell apart for work. So my wife came in and she's like, oh, I like your bag. And then upon closer inspection, saw that it was a Batman backpack and she just rolled her eyes at me. So um, <laughs> she's like, everything with you has to have some kind of logo from a comic book movie TV show. You can't just have a regular bag like a normal person. I don't have the bag issue, but like we, we went to Disney World. Our whole family went to Disney World. And I always wear like nerdy shirts with like weird logos and stuff. Like no, no a normal person maybe wouldn't know, but like, you know, someone in the know would know. It was kind of, it's kind of like a secret handshake kind of thing. So like my or, wife will be like, yeah, you're in the club. If you, if you see a cool t-shirt and you totally get it and you give that person like a nod, you're like in the club. It's great. Exactly. I've got like a Biff's, a Biff's like auto shop t-shirt. And, you know, and yeah. like, you know, people, you know, certain people know it's a Back to the Future shirt and like, we'll say, oh, that's a cool shirt. And my wife is just like, it just, it weirds her out every time it happens because she's like, that's a good t-shirt, I guess, because like four people have like stopped you today, you know. It's like the nerd nod. I love that. My, one of the, this is, we're totally getting off topic, but I will say this, when I was naming my first child, my wife was like, it can't reference any movie or comic book <laughs> character. It has, it has to be a normal name and she wanted the name Connor and I, I played it very cool and I was like, all right, Connor seems good. And then she caught me talking to my friend saying, my son's Connor McLeod, the Highlander. And she was like, it's not going to be Connor now. You've ruined the name. Oh, I thought you would have been excited for the Terminator reference. <laughs> oh, I mean, there's so many Connors. That yeah. would have been great too. But I go Highlander over Terminator. So <laughs> <laughs> That could be your icebreaker. I prefer Highlander. Uh, but exactly. back... Back if we can find our way to Marvel yes. 1000. So you tackle damage control, which is, you know, that throwback bunch of underpaid workers who clean up all the various Marvel messes. And we actually got a glimpse of them this summer in Spider-Man Far From Home, right? Oh, wait, no, sorry. Wrong Spider-Man. No, it was in uh, Homecoming. That was the first glimpse. You don't get the nerd <laughs> nod today at all. I don't get the nerd nod. <laughs> I've always loved the idea, like... You know, if the Hulk destroys the city, someone has to clean it up. And and these are the people they're you know, they do that's a heroic job. They work behind the scenes. Uh to me that's the ultimate if if Marvel was ever going to do a half hour comedy TV show, that's the one to do. Just because in a sense, damage control, you know they have accounting, you know they have you know, an HR department. Uh they have, you know, they do have their crew that goes to clean up. Um, they have, I think it's like a search and rescue. They have, I mean, they have marketing, all that stuff. So I just love that it's this regular office within the Marvel universe. Um, at least that's, that's, that's what I took away from the various comic books over the years. And then of course, in the movies, they made them totally cool and badass. I love that your vulture isn't Michael Keaton, but it's like the old bald head man, you know, vulture. And, <laughs> but you know, you got the like Shatari reference too. So, you know, it's kind of like melding the comic and, and movie world. Oh, for sure. In fact, I really, I really, cause I, 
I really wanted it to be Michael Keaton and I, Adam Riches, who did the art. I talked him into doing it, and he did a rough draft and made it Michael Keaton. And then we were, you know, Marvel was like, no, it's got to be Marvel Vulture. So, but yeah, it is a nod to Homecoming. I, I just loved that Damage Control was finally introduced into like the cinematic universe. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's time they do more with the, the comics because there, there really hasn't been a ton of damage control. It's been mentioned, but there's been a couple books out there. It's such an interesting uh, kind of like area in the Marvel Universe that I feel like really has a ton of potential. Do you like in, in all the movies of the MCU that we've had so far, is there anywhere you would have like inserted some damage control for some laughs? Oh, that's a That's a great. Um, I mean, that's. That's an interesting question. I love, I mean, you know, I, I think the best, God, as running to, I ran, I co-ran one uh, school last year, which was the Goldberg spinoff. Mm-hmm. And then I did ran the Goldbergs last year as well. So running a show is there's so much to keep like in your brain and what Kevin has done just from Iron Man to Endgame, Like if you look at him as the showrunner is so impressive um, and I honestly think like every, it's one giant, it's almost like one giant television series told over, what is it? 20 something movies. Um, so I bet from the very beginning, he had that plan. Um, when, you know, when you had the world was under attack and tons of alien tech fell onto earth, I bet it was always his plan that it would be in, in homecoming that damage control would be introduced. Um, because I believe that every that he and his team, whoever that may be, um, is it the story room? I don't know. Marvel story room. I don't know who it is, but they, they mapped out every little moment because everything connects perfectly. It's it's I think the most impressive movie series legitimately ever made just because and the quality just keeps getting better and better. I know, you know, in the beginning there was some stumbles, maybe I know people are kind of soft on Iron Man, too. And. Uh, you know, first Captain America was, I thought it was solid, but it didn't blow me away like Winter, Winter Soldier or something like that, or Civil War. Um, but uh, God, where would I, where would I have put damage control? I mean, you, you know, that's that one scene in the, um, I I maybe would have done a side, like I know they, they've done some of those, they used to do those little side kind of shorts. One shots. I think like, yeah, the one shots. I think a one shot about damage control coming in maybe after like after I don't know some like actually seeing them clean up mm-hmm. after a giant one of the you know one of the big battles like you know after uh, uh, Black Panther let's say like seeing da- uh, like a one shot of damage control coming in and you know, the thing that interests me the most is the corporate office of it. <laughs> and like, um, you know, they, they, there was one book, I believe, about uh, giving Wolverine, like, was it Wolverine, or maybe it was the Punisher. Somebody wanted like, insurance, I mean, it was Wolverine insurance or Punisher insurance. I'm trying to remember what it was. But I just I love that idea of just the, the grunt work beyond the cleaning up the paperwork. Uh, that all the paperwork involved when when a city gets destroyed, it's just that's so funny to me as a comedy writer. Um, and so interesting that there are these people behind the scenes that like have to deal with lawsuits <laughs> and, you know, um, 
and HR complaints and, uh, and all that stuff. I just, I love it so much. I, I was so thrilled that they said yes when I said I really want to do damage control for, for, the, for Marvel 1000. So you and Kevin Feige and even like Luke Skywalker at this point are all co-workers, you know, <laughs> under, under, under Mickey Mouse, which is, which is great, you know, and, but for you, you know, in, in terms of, you know, you have a show that kind of digs into the pop culture of, of my childhood and your childhood and, and you know, kind of like, you know, a, a distinct era of, of, you know, people who came up loving Star Wars and, and Marvel comics yeah. and things like that. What's kind of have you been able to use the synergy to your to your advantage a lot? Of just, you know, you might not be able to use Batman or something, but you know, kind of like you can use Star Wars. You can bring in kind of like Marvel oh, characters totally. and you and and use it in right. in cool ways. Well, that is, I mean, look uh, for the last uh, I would say twelve years, I've been employed by Sony, so they're the studio that I had to deal with. And at the end of season six of the Goldbergs and season one of Schooled. I decided to make a switch over to Disney. Um, so like, you know, the Goldbergs in school still exists. And I turned those shows like I made 140 episodes of the Goldbergs or something like that. So I had this opportunity when Disney came to me and they said, we want to give you a company. And here is a giant list of 85 pages of IP. What do you want to do? We have Disney plus, we have ABC, we have FX, we have five. I mean, they have everything now. So between Marvel, Star Wars, I mean, Muppets, um, they, they have just stuff that I love that's like baked into my DNA from childhood. So all I want to do for the next four years of this, that I have this company there is just figure out ways to take old you know, IP, old franchises, and kind of reinvigorate them. I think the template, like the best version is what they did with uh, Cobra Kai with Karate Kid. Mm -hmm. I mean, the show is brilliant. Um, it's such a great homage to the eighties, the movies of the eighties that they made. But it's its own thing now, and it feels relevant and topical and relatable and real. It's just, I think that's like the masterpiece that everyone should aspire to. Um, and then there's been these reboots that haven't worked <laughs> as much. Um, but that's like the synergy. Um, you know, working for the Disney Corporation, there's always going to be people weighing in and wanting the, whether it's Star Wars or Marvel or even, like I said, Muppets, having the IP presented in a certain way. There's a lot of people that weigh in and give opinions, and there's a lot of red tape, which could be frustrating. But the fact that they have it all is just so exciting to me. And it's just a matter of convincing everyone to get to, you know, trust, uh, you know, to trust me with something. Um, and, uh, and, you know, and use and, and make something of it. So, um, there's so much, I mean, look, we get a lot of, uh, the Goldbergs was with Sony. So I was, there was Ghostbusters was always around <laughs> that set because Sony was like, yeah, put all the Ghostbusters you want. Um, now that, uh, schooled is co-owned by Disney. Um, so the spinoff there's, it's just easier when you're in house like that. Um, they're, they're more willing to give you, you know, Star Wars sheets or, um, uh, but remember my, my relationship with Lucasfilm, I, the first thing I ever did was called fanboys, which was about Star Wars fans. It was a movie, um, that's probably like 12 years old now. So I've known the people over there for a long time and they, I built up a lot of trust there. Um, so Star Wars has always been one that I've been able to use in the various shows or, you know, that I've done, um, 
Marvel is tricky because uh, that's in, a really interesting story, actually, uh, was season one of the Goldbergs. I wanted to do Barry for Halloween dresses up as uh, the Hulk. And, the you know, now I'm Sony dealing with Marvel. This is 2013. And I get a call from uh, Jeff Loeb, who, you know, I I mean, I'm a big fan of his of his writing and his work and his, you know, not just the comics, but Commando. And he I mean, he's written some Teen Wolf. He's written some classic movies. So I was just excited to talk to the guy. And he was like, look, I know you love this stuff, but, you know, your <laughs> shield is on before you. Um, at the time in 2013, shield aired at eight to nine and Goldberg's was at nine, nine to nine thirty, And he's like, so we can't have a show where Hulk is in shield. Like they talk about him. And then in your show, Barry is dressed as the Hulk. Like it just, it, it's kind of like, we're trying to protect our universe. So what I said was, what if he's watching the, you know, the old Hulk, Hulk TV show and goes as that Hulk. And that was a compromise that Jeff was like, I'm, I'm totally fine with that. You know, so, so there, there, there's always like, everyone's trying to protect their own universe, but you could always try and find a compromise in there. And because of that, we had, it's one of the best episodes of the series where Barry dresses up as the Hulk and throws a tantrum <laughs> and storms through the party. It was it's like one of, my, one of my favorite episodes. And, you know, the initial Marvel response was no. And then I had to talk to people and, try to convince them and also show that I was a fan and I was going to treat it right. So obviously if anyone watches the Goldbergs, they know that, well, at least the Adam on there is obsessed with all these, um, you know, pop culture hallmarks from the eighties and sort of the nineties as, as it keeps going. Um, when you were a kid, did you ever expect that this stuff was all going to come back around again or that you would be able to sort of make a career, not just out of filmmaking, but out of filmmaking about stuff you loved so much? No, I, I had no idea. And if I knew, I would have, you know, filmed my mom and dad more um, because <laughs> I used it on the show. Um, and, uh, you know, there was every day, every second, there was some huge, hilarious argument with my parents screaming at each other. So I... I should have filmed every little bit of it. Um, but uh, no, I mean, you know, it, it does make sense um, because the 80s, the, the stuff that was made in the late 70s and the 80s and the early 90s, um, you know, you had back then there was no Internet, no phone. So really all you had was like TV and movies for entertainment and, and very old school video games. Right. Um and that was like a treat. Like not everyone had video games. Not everyone had an NES or an Atari or a Sega. So, but everyone had a TV in their house. So that, that like TV was so impactful to people that age that it became like a religious experience, like running home, watching your shows. Um, you know, I remember I've, I've seen some Wonder Years episodes like only one time, but I, I could recite the whole episode to you just because my brain was like recording it. Um, it was so special and impactful, right? So now all of those kids have grown up and they're in positions. They're now in their early, late 30s, early 40s, mid 40s. And we're the ones now who are directors and writers and executives who make the executives make the decisions. Um, you have Kevin, you know, who grew up on comics. Um, you know, he's the one making the decisions for Marvel. Um, you know, so 
I think that's why it's back again. It's that we just want something that we love uh, to revisit it. Um, it gives you that special feeling you had as a kid. And also because there's so much with streaming, um, cable, that it's so hard to break out anything original that just having that familiar title makes you go, oh, I, I want to see what's going on there. I remember that. So I think that's why everything's kind of like being rebooted and coming around again. Um, but did I know that there would ever be another Tron movie as a kid when I remember talking about it at school and my older brother saying it sucked and it was boring and I thought it was the coolest thing I'd ever seen? Like I was convinced there would never be another Tron and then they made a Tron sequel, you know, 10 years ago, or eight years ago. So that stuff I did not expect, like the movies that didn't do well, <laughs> um, that those would even be revisited. Like that's, that's so surprising. What's interesting too about filmmakers like yourself and you know, you look at Kevin and even in the the Cobra Kai guys, they have this stuff you guys have this stuff in your soul. You know, you were raised on it and it stayed with you and you understand it more than like right. something like your dad might or your kids might, you know, you, you know yep. and I yep. think that that's saying something because you know how to handle it. You're not like some, you know, hired hand who's gonna go do a Batman film or something. You know, right. or just kind of random TV show with all kinds of geek stuff. You understand it. You grew up with it. It is in your soul. So you're going to be able to do it better than somebody who doesn't. And I think it speaks to why everybody, why it resonates with people. Oh, for sure. And no, and it's it's why there's also like so much backlash now because everyone wants Star Wars to be something specific that they think it is, right? Like everyone has their feeling, very strong feelings of what Star Wars is. Um, and when it doesn't meet that expectation, there's like this almost a real betrayal. Like, you know, this idea of you ruined my childhood. It's a movie, you know, it's but to some people, a movie is their childhood. Like I, I would watch I'm watching Dark Crystal now again, something that in the 80s. So it's truly a bizarre movie. Um, it's so dark <laughs> yeah. and scary and depressing and, um, and like, uh, to, for it to be this new Netflix sprawling epic, that's like Game of Thrones, Henson style. It's, it's unbelievable. And by the way, it's what I've seen is infinitely better than the movie. It is so much better um, than the movie. So, and I feel so bad saying that. Oh my that. God. <laughs> yeah. It, I mean, it's like, first of all, the, you know, the movie at its time was like cutting edge technology yeah. in, in puppetry, right? Like that's, it was really, that's what it was about. Um, you know, if you, I showed it to my kids and they turned it off after like 20 minutes. It like, it scared them. It bummed them out. It was kind of, it, they didn't find much joy in it, but I watched that thing. Oh, I ha happened to have it on VHS and I have it memorized, watched it over and over and over. Um, so, you know, I was going in watching this new series with a lot of opinions on what it should be. And, and they, it really surpassed anything I, I ever could have imagined, but when you watch something over and over as a kid, and I don't think kids do that now, you know, you have YouTube, you have like, they have all the different apps. There's, there's no reason to watch something <laughs> over and over um, unless it's like your iPad is broken and you can't download anything new on it. Like then you're going to, I don't know. Like I, I can't see a world where a kid would watch a movie now over and over when they have access to every movie. Tell that so, to our other um, co-host and his yeah. daughter about the descendants three. <laughs> 
Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so, you know, I'm sure there's those exceptions, but like, you know, so it really does get baked into your DNA and people, um, you know, really movies from that time are very important to people. Uh, watching all the backlash over the Ghostbusters, do Ghostbusters movie or the backlash over the last Star Wars movie. You know, it's it's very interesting as someone who's on the other side trying to make these things. It kind of terrifies you. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it, it got to the point where, like, I'm at Disney now. If if like Star Wars came to me and said, will you work on this TV show? I'd be afraid to do it. Like, I just I think I might just want to be a fan. And not even see it from that point of view and have to deal with, like, people judging you. I mean, look, on the Goldbergs, people argue with me about my childhood, saying that's not (laughs) how it happened. Or, you know, like, in my house, it was this way. And I go, great. It was that way in your house, but in my house, it was this way. So people, when it comes to, like, the nostalgic stuff, they're very passionate. And when you're a creator, that that can be really scary. And I think for Star Wars, I would definitely, I might want to just stay a super fan. And not see how the sausage is made there. Well, you can at least go to the premieres now. True. Yeah. Oh, that that I do. That's like that's the best. Um, and my experience at every premiere is it's the greatest movie I've ever seen. Just because you get so swept away and seeing everyone there and um, and being part of like the first experience of it, and then sometimes the movie will be like settle in with you, and then you'll be like, well, it wasn't it wasn't the greatest movie ever. But premieres are like I always I just love premieres so much especially when it is like a Star Wars or I've gone to like a bunch of the Transformers premieres. Always, always love going to those like premieres of like stuff that was around when I was a kid. You've got new seasons of, of Schooled and the Goldbergs coming up this fall. One thing I've always loved about your shows is that you have the episodes kind of like devoted to Nightmare on Elm Street or you have the Karate Kid episode. You know, you always have these episodes that like tie into something, you know, you probably loved and we loved too. Is there anything, any cool episodes that you have coming up that you can talk about, you know, and just kind of like those like little one-off kind of like thematic things? Well, the I will say like the thing with all those episodes is they're usually a nightmare to make because <laughs> you have to um, go to a studio, convince them to let you use their IP, uh, show tons of clips. You have to get all the actors to sign off. Um, you know, so if, if you want to do a top, let's say a Top Gun episode, you have to go to Tom Cruise and he has to be like, yes, I will let you show me on the Goldberg. So it's so hard to get those episodes going. And it takes so much like time and emailing and, and begging, frankly. So the ones we have this year, we're starting off with a vacation episode, which I think it's going to be really fun, especially because it it just like lends its look. That's a movie about a family going on vacation. I went on tons of vacations with my family. It was always a disaster. I think that's why everyone loves that movie. And we even got like Anthony Michael Hall like to do a little cameo. And I think that one. Oh, and at the end they go to they go to Disneyland. So it's going to be a very big fun opener. We've always talked about adventures in babysitting um, and. Again, you have to go to Elizabeth Shue. There's like a lot of pieces there, to, but that's one that I think we'll, we'll visit at some point, um, hopefully this year as well. So there's just, oh my God, there's so many um, that I love. I, I think that my favorite one we ever did was Ferris Bueller. That was season two. Mm-hmm. Um, and I really also, we did a Goonies one as well that I loved. Those are my two favorite we've done. 
Um, and of course the Elm street one getting Robert to come and be Freddy Krueger was just so surreal and unbelievable. And he's the nicest man in the world. And like talking to him as Freddy, as he's like eating an apple at craft services, <laughs> was like the craziest thing ever. When you're thinking about those episodes, do you have to like, you have, you have to think of like real broad appeal. I mean, and not go too obscure. Like, Oh, hey, I wanted to kind of do this Misfits of Science episode, but like, you know, like only 10% of like the world's population will even know what you're talking about. Do you have to kind of well, like. I know what you're talking well, about. I, <laughs> I love that show. And I, I think too. Courtney Cox would be down for a reboot. Um, <laughs> totally. <laughs> Misfits of Science. It's a really good one. Um, no, I, it's very interesting because I, like, the dynamic for the last six years when I was running the show was me going and like pitching the craziest, like obscure eighties thing. And the room really like would be like, absolutely not like you're going to alienate the audience. So it was always finding a common ground. And what I, we realized, cause we've, we've done several and the ones that work the best actually didn't begin as an episode about a movie, right? Like Ferris Bueller really began about Barry cutting school. And then I was like, Oh, this could be a Ferris Bueller's thing. Um, the ones we've had the hardest time with, we did like a 16 candles one where everyone forgot Adam's birthday. It was just like, we were trying to give a shout out to the movie. We did a rat, <laughs> a rat episode, which was like an eighties BMX biking movie. That one was tough because it was like, how do you get rad into an episode? You know, th those are the harder ones. The ones that work the best are actually like an episode you start writing and then you go, Oh wait, this is perfect you know, this is perfect for Karate Kid because Adam is being, you know, harassed by someone at school. Um, so there have been so many, like, very obscure movies that have got shot down. I think I wanted to do something with Solar Babies and Ice Pirates. And there's like a bunch of obscure 80s movies. I, I did get to do a bunch that I, like, I thought maybe not everyone would know. Um, I did a Highlander episode last year, second time Highlanders come up. Uh, where I had a full-on, like, Clancy Brown was already the woodshop teacher. So it just made sense. He's the bad guy in the Highlander, the Kurgan. So, like, we did a full... And I know a lot of people don't know that movie. But, it, at, you know, hopefully they were still entertained by sword fighting. Um, <laughs> so I hope. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, we've done some really... We've done some more obscure ones. Um, but uh, I think the reality of it is... To anyone who's under 25, everything from the 80s is obscure. Like, um, you ask what you ask anyone who's 15 what the Karate Kid is, uh, maybe because of Cobra Kai they'd know from YouTube, but otherwise they'd say, oh, "Isn't that the uh, Jaden Smith movie?" From you know, like everything from the Jayden 80s Smith movie. is old. Like it's 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 the you know kids just don't know it. So like it's um hopefully you explain it well enough that they're in on the joke that jaden smith movie does not exist in my world <laughs> i'm sorry Ghostbusters. I, I really like that ruining childhoods. <laughs> no it doesn't even ruin my childhood it just doesn't exist in my world i just uh, it doesn't exist but i mean that's the truth is like no one really know like kids don't know anything from the 80s it's a long time ago it's 35 years ago so it's like yeah we were just trying to keep it all alive well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. This was really fun. And at some point, we did, in fact, talk about Marvel 1000, I swear. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I, I will say uh, I've 
read it from cover to cover. I'm very honored to be part of it. And, uh, and it was such a great introduction to the whole team over there. And I really hope I get to do more. It's, uh, you know, just from going and being a super fan and growing up reading comics. And, and then, of course, like all the, the movies from the last 15 years, it's, they're on top of their game. So it's, it's really great to be part of it somehow. And you can say you're on the same team as Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It's probably the only time you'll ever be able to say that. I know. <laughs> Thank you, guys. We really enjoyed talking. Cool. Thanks, Adam. I appreciate it. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, listeners, your turn. Have you read Marvel 1000? Do you watch the Goldberg? Let's talk about it on Twitter. You can find us at Mothership Pod, but you can also tweet us individually. I'm at Brian Druitt. I'm at K-Lawls, K-L-A-W-L-S. And Brett Molina, wherever he is, he is at Brett Molina 23. And don't forget... You can email us too. We're at mothershippod at usatoday.com. One small programming note before we go. I'll be gone for the next two weeks to travel to a special planet where I'm going to get married. But hopefully Brian and Brett can steer the ship in my absence. Maybe we'll crash the damn thing. Who knows? I hope not. But I'll be thinking of all of you. But we're going to wrap up things here. Thank you so much for listening. Special thanks to our pilot slash producers in the mothership this week, Shannon Green and Natalie Boyd. If you like the podcast and don't want to miss an episode moving forward, you can subscribe for free on Apple Podcasts. And while you're there, how about leaving us a rating or review? It helps other people find the podcast. But if Apple Podcasts isn't your jam, you can also find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, pretty much anywhere you listen to podcasts. Until next Friday, nerd out. See ya. <laughs>